rest for your soul. Oh, that sounds so good. And so Jesus invites us to that. He says, follow my teaching. And so the Sermon on the Mount, just a few chapters, he's saying these things. And he's saying, you know what, this, this is, this is what it means to be human. This is what it looks like. Treat people this way. Do these things. This is how to truly be human. And so we're almost done with the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and so I'm excited. I'm sad for, for certain reasons. But um, a couple weeks ago, uh, last time we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount, David Gardine spoke. You remember that? And uh, as David was talking, he was talking about asking and seeking and knocking, right? The, the, the part of, uh, of the sermon talking about prayer. And, and, uh, and what he reminded us, though, is that God isn't some type of a petitionary God that we just have to ask harder or seek, seek farther or knock uh, louder so that God will listen to us, but that the whole point is that God is a father and that this God is good. And so we ask, we seek, and we knock knowing that this creator God, this God that Jesus calls father, that he is good and we can approach him boldly and with confidence. And so I'm just going to continue on right after Dave ended. And I'll I'll, uh, start with the last verse that that Dave spoke about. He says in, in verse 11, chapter 7, verse 11, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? So the focus is the Father. And then Jesus continues in verse 12. So... In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. I'm going to read that again. So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. We've talked about this before um, in past sermons here, uh, but this is where we're at, right, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And the reality is, is I could keep going, but there is so much just in this small verse. And, and we've heard of it before, right? The golden rule, you, you've heard it. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And, and Jesus, he, he says it here. And so we're going to focus. And, and so uh, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes in and he says, he says uh, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill it. Right? And so Jesus starts off the sermon by saying that. Then he kind of gives all this teaching, is saying all these things, and he comes to a point and he says, So, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up, sums up the law and the prophets. And later on in Matthew, it says that everything, that the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments: love God with all your heart, soul, Mind and strength, and what's the other? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you think about that, that everything hangs on these commandments, these commandments of love, and that in everything it's summed up by this, to do unto others as you would have them do to you, you can bring those together that really what Jesus is saying, how we love is really important. Are you with me? How we love other people, the way we treat people, is vital in the kingdom of God. This kingdom that Jesus speaks about, this upside down kingdom that looks very different, it's one that's just bathed in love. The way we love others is so key. So in everything, do unto others as as you would have them do to you. 
for this sums up the law and the prophets. And, and so Jesus has talked about tons of stuff. He's talked about anger, right? That we need to control our anger. Why? Because it's, it's, we need to control anger and it's connected to how we love people. He talks about lust because it's connected to how we love people. He's talked about giving to the needy because it's connected on how we love the least of these. He talks about generosity, being a people of generosity. And, and we experienced that as a community not too long ago where people just started giving towards Cameron's surgery and, and Cameron was able to experience a miracle of his toe. I mean, it's connected to love. Cameron and Gina, and they felt loved by this community. So Jesus, over and over, he talks about Love is so valuable. Love, the way you treat people, is so important to the point where we're called to love our enemies. Whoa, love our enemies. He says things like stand up against evil, but don't do it in revenge. You remember that? Turn the other cheek when we talked about that. So over and over, all these things that Jesus is talking about, he's giving us do's and don'ts, but he's, he's not doing it to be a buzzkill. He's not doing it like he's this taskmaster. He wants us to experience rest for our souls. Rest. Who needs rest for their souls tonight? Two people just like me, you know. You don't have to, but back there, I saw you. I saw you. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we are desperate for you. We, we need rest for our souls. I don't know what other people are going through tonight, but I know what my wife and I are going through, and we need rest for our souls. We need you, Jesus. And somehow rest comes, yes, from you. You are a kind and generous and loving father, but it somehow mysteriously comes in the way we treat people. And so, Father, I pray over every single one of us that we would recognize that the way I view other people is vital to the rest for my soul. God, we, we commit this night to you, and so I just pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be honoring and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So I need a volunteer. Not all at once. I need a volunteer. Raise your hand. Okay, yes. Come on up. Weston, please. Give it up for Weston. Okay, so just imagine that Weston and I, we've never met before. Okay? We've never met before. And so, you know, we're here at the edge, you know, first time. And we come up like, hey, how's it going? And if I get in right here, how does that make you feel? A little weird. A little weird. Okay, a little weird. A little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Okay, if, if you were a woman, very inappropriate. I'm married, yeah. so this not good. Yeah, this if I had bad breath, uh, not cool, dude, right? <laughs> like, hey, how's it going? <sighs> I, I had gum beforehand. Just, is it bad? No. It's, it's okay? It's like standard Should I get breath. closer? Standard well, breath. We can be a little closer if you want. Okay. <laughs> so, so we know, like, if you're first time meeting someone, like, this close, not socially acceptable. If you know someone well, uh, it's okay. So again, um, I meet Weston for the first time, and I stop here. I'm like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? Good. How do you feel now? A little bit better, okay. <laughs> okay, but just the distance. I mean, a weird distance. Maybe that I'm a little awkward. Uh, 
maybe now instead of my breath smelling, smelling bad, maybe it's because I know your breath smells bad, uh, or you smell just your BO in general. I was talking to the, your wife, and she said, stay away. Um, so we know, right, we know that this socially, I'm glad he chose, because if this was anyone else, wow. Um, and this, right, we know socially not doesn't work, okay? So what I want you to do now is I'm going to, you stay there, I'm going to walk, and you, you all just tell me what's an appropriate distance for a first-time meeting, okay? So like this, keep going, right here, someone's like right there, okay, here, that's good, no, okay, okay, so first-time meeting, there's, there's a space there, and um, would everyone pretty much agree this is probably a good general, you know, amount of, of space between two people that don't know each other? Yeah. Can't smell the breath. Uh, awesome. Thank you. Give it up for Weston. So here's, here's the deal. I, I, don't, I don't know about you. I don't ever remember, like, being taught. Uh, like what the appropriate distance was. You know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't like my mom and dad one day they pulled out a ruler and come here little Joey and you know you want to make sure that this is the right distance because this is too close and if you know my dad it would have been probably closer and so I, I was never taught that and I think it's just one of those things that that most people, normal people, they just kind of know right, through maybe it's observation, uh, through experience, you just, you kind of, you can kind of know what that distance is, and, and you don't, you do it without thinking about it, right, it's not like as you're approaching, you're just kind of wondering, all right, am I, is it too much, no, too little, you know, like we just kind of know, you get there, and then you, if someone gets a little close, you take a little step back, and you, you gauge, you have it, right, are you with me, all right, you do, you do it without even thinking about it, you do it without even thinking about it, and here's the deal. We do a lot of stuff, right, a lot of stuff without thinking it, about it. It's just it becomes a natural thing because maybe of observation. Maybe we were taught certain things, but it, it comes to a point where we do things without thinking. We do things without thinking. Well, here's, here's the thing. I think something else we do without thinking is we talk about people and relationships using, catch this, economic metaphors, we use economic metaphors to talk about people and relationships. Let me give you an example. We say things like, um, man, you, you're so valuable. You're so valuable. We say things like, man, she is so priceless. Oh, so priceless. They are, a, oh, you are a gift, Bailey. You're such a gift to this group. You know, we, we have just been, uh, man, me and that guy, we, we're just really investing in this relationship. Are you with me? Right? We use these kind of these economic terms. Uh, we say things like, man, they are not worth my time. They are not worth my time. And, and there's these, these economic metaphors where it's really easy to place value without even thinking about it. We, we somehow uh, allow this to, to place value on people. Are you with me? You're following so that I know I can keep going. Okay. Somehow we place value on people and we do it without even thinking. And I think we learned this at a really young age. Okay. Um, a lot of different things. But for me, I remember, I don't know about you, but recess. Okay. Recess, 
uh, it's time to play a game in recess, and you do the schoolyard pick, right? And everyone lines up, and there's two captains, and then it's like, hey, you're with me. Well, she's my wife, okay? You know? Um, and, then, and then who's been there where you're like the first to be chosen, right? And, and it feels really good, and you're like, I'm pretty awesome, you know? And then who's, who's here, and you don't have to raise your hand, but who here has been chosen last, right? And everyone's like, that's a, that's a horrible feeling, right? To feel like you're chosen last. I mean, it says something. Like you are of certain value uh, to my, my touch hand football recess playing time. And, yeah, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, but we, we do this, right? As kids, it's like we place value. You are of value. You're of importance. You're not so much. Uh, why don't you sit out this one? Because uh, uh, I wasn't me- like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to Gina afterwards. Um, but, so schoolyard pick. Well, okay, so it continues. And, and just all throughout life, we have these experiences and these things happen. And, and we think things about ourselves by what people say and what people do and, and the words that they use and the value that they kind of put over us. And, and we do it to others. And it's just... We don't even think about it. It's just, it's a part of our human nature. It's almost, yeah. Anyway, um, so, random story. Uh, I was freshman, 1999. Who, who wasn't born in 99? A couple of you, okay. So 1999, I was a freshman in college. And uh, you're like, wow, I didn't know you were that old. Um, so freshman in college, and my buddy's like, come here, come here. I want to show you something on the internet. And this was before Instagram, it was before Facebook, it was before Twitter, it was before Snapchat, it was before MySpace, at least before I had MySpace. And I walk in, and all it was, it was a picture of someone's face. And there was, you could click either hot or not. That's all it was. Have you heard of this before? So I show up, and you just, a picture would pop up, hot or not, and then it would go to the next one, hot or not. And you could upload your face or someone else's face, and then it would give you a percentage of, like, uh, how, how many people thought you're hot versus how you're not. And so we would play tricks on our buddies and, like, just randomly put their pictures up there. And, and, but, again, it's just this idea. Like, we, we place values. Like, oh, they're good looking. They're not good looking. They're smart. They're, you know, they're not. They're this. They're that. They're not. Right? And, and we, we use these, uh, as humans, it's like we, we use economic thoughts and ideas about people's value. You're with me. You're with me. Okay. So, um, but this is what I think it comes down to. Again, we do this without thinking. This is what it comes down to. We treat people, again, going back to this idea that, that Jesus is talking about how we love is a value, how we treat people is so valuable, so important. This is what it comes down to. We treat people as if love is a commodity. Let me say that again. We treat people as if love is a commodity. We use it like it's currency or money. So so think about that. If if the way I treat someone is a commodity, it's just something that I can choose choose to give out, uh, there's a problem with that. And so let, let me give an example. I'm willing to extend love or I'm willing to treat someone with kindness or respect a lot of times if someone does something for me. Are you with me? 
A lot of times we're gonna, we, we will extend love to someone because we know that that person has something good to offer us. And it's, again, we don't think about it. We subconsciously do it. Oh, wow, they're really wealthy. Going to be friends with that guy. Wow, they're the pastor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with them. Oh, wow, they, they are so pot, you know. And so uh, we, we look at people and, and again, subconsciously, like, what can they offer me? And we use our love and the way we treat people as this currency. And so if someone can offer us popularity, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to them. If someone can give us money or gifts or, you know, good things, yep, it's easy there. Maybe their time, their energy. Uh, somehow, if my life is going to benefit from that person, then shoot, man, it, man, I find value in them. And so it's so easy to see value in people depending on what they can do for us. You with me so far? Okay. I'm not the only one? Okay. Great. So treating others uh, the way that you want to be treated, extending love uh, to, to people, it's easy if we find value in them. Right? It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I want to be kind. Uh, I, oh, they, they are running late. I'm going to be patient because... They have something to offer me, you know, or, uh, man, I, I can extend forgiveness because, you know, I find value in them. Love, love, if we're not careful, becomes a commodity, a type of currency. But on the flip side, if someone can't offer me anything, if there's somebody that can't offer you anything, I mean, it's, just, it's really easy to withhold love. It's really easy to, to withhold kindness, to withhold patience, to not forgive if they're not going to offer me something in return. You know, it's hard to treat someone the way you would want to be treated if you have already chosen or if you have already determined they aren't valuable. Not valuable. Not, not worth my time. Not worth it. And so to treat them with love, kindness, respect, don't need to because they're not very valuable. So, the danger, very easily, is to treat love as a commodity, something that you can, a currency. The question I have to ask myself as a disciple of Jesus, and I think it's a question that we all need to ask, is do I define someone's value, or is God the one that defines value? Is that a question you ever ask yourself? Am I the one that chooses Weston's value, or is God? Because if I'm the one that defines his value, it's going to be like this, depending on who he is, what he does, how he treats me. And then, yeah, like you were really nice to me when we were really close, so there's a lot of value there, like just, just so you know. So the question, do I define someone's value or does God? And I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Do I define someone's value or does God? So Matthew 26 if you have your Bibles, open it up. Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16. We've been, uh, we just finished this last Sunday, was Easter Sunday, right? And it's just beautiful, beautiful story of Jesus' death and resurrection, right? And ultimately, that Jesus has the power over death itself. And that we too will live one day with our creator, right? And, and it's just this beautiful picture of resurrection. 
And so the week leading up to it is the Passion Week. And, and we, we talk a lot, you know, about his being arrested and, or the Last Supper and then being arrested and, um, and then, you know, being mistreated and abused and then hanging on a cross. And then three days later, he raises from the dead. And, and there's actually a story within the Passion Week uh, that I want us to, to pay attention to that, uh, at least for me, I, I don't think about very often. And it's only a couple verses, and this is what it says. In, in verse 14, verse, chapter 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. It's this little moment, right? During the, during the Last Supper, Jesus calls him out, you know, he's, you're going to betray me. And, um, but then it's this moment where he's with the chief priests. And he says, what, what are you going to give me if I hand him over to you? And they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And they, from then on, Judas watched for an opportune time. I mean, have you ever wondered... Why 30 pieces of silver? Has that ever crossed your mind? What, is there something significant about 30 pieces of silver? And what's, what's really interesting is, uh, yes, there was. Um, if you turn to Exodus, Exodus 21. So I'm going to read something, and it's going to sound kind of weird at first, but stick with me, okay? Uh, Exodus 21, and we'll start in chapter, or verse 28 through 32. And this is uh, just talking about personal injuries and kind of, it's the, the, the people uh, um, as they've been freed from slavery, and they're kind of setting some new guidelines for them as, as a people, and um, you know, th this, is, this is one of the things that, that they, they go by. So in verse 28, again, this is weird, but stick with me. If a bull gores a man or a woman to death, the bull is to be stoned to death, and its, its meat must not be eaten, but the owner of the bull will not be held responsible. If, however, the bull has had the habit of goring, and the owner has been warned but has not kept it penned up, and it, it kills a man or a woman... The bull is to be stoned, and its owner also is to be put to death. However, if payment is demanded, the, owner, the owner's life may be redeemed by the payment of whatever is demanded. This law also applies if the bull gores a son or daughter. If the bull gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver to the master of the slave, and the bull is to be stoned to death. So, did you catch that? Right? You have, for most people, most people, if you have a bull and it goes crazy and starts goring people and it kills somebody, for most people, the bull is stoned and uh, there's potential for you as the owner to the, also to deserve death unless you figure out some kind of a redemption payment plan, ancient payment plan. Can that be like every month? No. Um, anyway, so that's most people. But then it goes in and it says, if... If the owner of the bull, um, sorry, if a slave gets gored, the bull is stoned to death and the master of the slave is given 30 pieces of silver. 
And so when, catch that, when the chief priests, they are with Judas and they come to a place and he says, how much are you going to give me? And it says they counted out 30 pieces of silver. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were placing a value on the life of Jesus that he is nothing but a slave. He is subhuman. He is not a son of David. He he does not belong to our tribe. That was very intentional. 30 pieces of silver. They placed value on Jesus. They said, you are less than, you are subhuman. The religious leaders of their day, they were making a statement when they gave 30 pieces of silver to Judas. And Judas accepted it. In Jesus' kingdom, friends, in the kingdom of Christ, there is no subhuman. In the kingdom of Christ, there is no one that is less than. There is is not someone that is to be deserved as, as a slave, as someone that has no rights. In God's kingdom, when Jesus talks and he says, he, he says as followers of mine, do this and live this way, he, he's calling us to something radical, something different, to view people through the, the, the lens of the kingdom of, of God. Are you with me? There are no subhumans. No subhumans in the kingdom. Love isn't a commodity. Love is to be extended freely to the least of these. So do unto others as you would have them do to you. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Extend love. Extend love. So another question I have for us is, do I view people through the lens of the kingdom of God? I think that's something we need to wrestle with. Do I view people through my lens or through the lens of Christ, through the lens of the kingdom? These are good questions. We need to continue to keep asking ourselves. So, when I, when I look at someone through the lens of the kingdom, you know, I, I might meet somebody I don't like, which happens for all of us, right? Whether it's a coworker, whether it's, uh, I wasn't looking at you, Bailey. It's, we're, we're cool. Um, whether, whether it's a coworker, whether it's, it's a friend, whether it's a parent, whether it's, who knows? You're going to p- meet people that you don't like. But they're so valuable in the kingdom. They're so valuable in the kingdom. You know, they might, there might be people that uh, you're not going to benefit in any way from them. They can't offer you anything. Because of their current status, situation in life, they can't offer you anything. But they are valuable in the kingdom. There might be someone who votes differently than you. With the temperature, the political temperature that's just continuing to rise and rise and rise, there are people that will vote differently than you in this room, and they are valuable in the kingdom. There might be someone that looks differently than you, that speaks a different language than you, that might not have documents that are legal in this country. They are valuable in the kingdom. They might be a different religion. They might be, say they're an atheist, they don't believe in God. They are valuable in the kingdom. They are valuable 
in the kingdom? Do I view people through my own lens or through the lens of Christ, through the kingdom of God lens? This is a question we must ask. So we could go on, right? On and on just about different ways that people are different than us and they are valuable in the kingdom. So I just, I want to share a story and just kind of bring it back down to reality. So the question then is like, how do I apply this to life? And there's a story that will forever, uh, has forever marked who I am. In ninth grade, I, uh, I was 5'3", the skinniest kid in the entire high school. I probably weighed 95 pounds, like I was little. I hadn't gone through puberty. Uh, awkward, awkward time of life, right? Um, and had a great group of guy friends, and for some reason, that ninth grade year, I don't, part of it was probably my immaturity, part of, part of it was I, I didn't know, like, I mean, talking about puberty and things like that, I've just, anyway, immature, we'll just keep it there. Um, and my, my friends just stopped inviting me to do stuff. Uh, my friends stopped inviting me to go to parties uh, at their friend's house or spend the night. Uh, friends just, I, there was one, I think I've mentioned it here, I was walking in the locker room area, it was outside, and I got pushed into the bushes, like in front of everyone. That stinks as a little ninth grader, you know, like all the like junior and senior girls are watching, and anyway, I've done freedom prayer, I'm good. <laughs> you like that? All right. Anyway. So uh, it, it was just a rough, rough go. Have anybody had those, those times of life where it's just, it's not going well and it feels like your friends aren't, they're not treating you the way they should? They weren't uh, reading the Bible. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> anyway, uh, so it was awkward. And it's one of those moments where just internally you start really questioning your own value, questioning who you are, um, not liking yourself, things like that. So my brother Jeff, uh, he was a senior in high school that year. So I'm a freshman, he's a senior. And Jeff, with Dave, man, Dave Gardine in the back, Jeff and Dave were part of like the cool crowd. I mean, they were the athletes. I was a little athlete, but I was little. They were athletes. And, uh, you know, Jeff especially, I mean, he, he was really good at sports and he had just the, the really beautiful girlfriend and uh, everybody liked Jeff. He was just a good dude. And, and uh he noticed uh, that I was struggling. He noticed I was struggling. He noticed that there would be Friday nights where my friends would be hanging out and spending the night with each other and doing stuff, and, and I wasn't invited, and I was home alone, uh, just sitting at my house, and didn't, yeah, just feeling kind of cruddy. And he noticed. And he was dating a girl at the time, and he, uh, he started inviting me as a little freshman to go hang out with him and his girlfriend um, and his friends. And it, it sounds so silly. It sounds so maybe minuscule, I guess. Um, but for me, that was powerful. Because here I was, I was someone that was just doubting myself, feeling like I was not valuable at all. And this guy that I looked up to was just like, you're coming with me. And I had nothing to offer him, right? Like his cool points didn't go up from hanging out with me. Um, I was annoying. You can ask him. Like, I, I just, he, he jokes around. He says, my spiritual gift is bugging. Uh, not so much anymore, but it was. Uh, I bugged a lot. And, and yet he was still willing to say, come. And I remember, to this day, I remember what movies we watched. 
we, I watched Braveheart with him and this guy named Mark Kulikoff in the basement of Mark Kulikoff's house. I remember watching Major Pain. Like, it sounds so stupid, right? <laughs> I remember these moments. I remember going to his girlfriend's house. Uh, with, there was a group of them, all seniors and a little freshman guy. And we're playing games. We're playing cards. And that was powerful. Just the fact that he was willing to say, you know what? I'm going to treat him the way I would want to be treated. And I can tell you that a big part of my story in pursuing Jesus is the way that my brother loved me well. And there's something about when we treat people with kindness and with respect and with love, even if they have nothing to offer you, even if they have nothing to give, that you can transform lives. You can transform lives. Now, again, I want to bring it back down to us as a community. Um, how do we do this in, just in this community? Because I think if we can't do it here, we probably can't do it other places. And so let's do it here so that we can carry it out other, other places as well, right? So one is uh, just be aware that love isn't a currency. Like, just start thinking that way, all right? My love, I, I'm, I'm called not to just put value on people. This isn't on choosing, like, who's worth my love and who isn't. Like, Jesus calls me, hey, they're valuable. I'm called to love them, even if they're my enemy, all right? So just be aware. Love isn't a currency. The second thing, think about how I treat people. Sounds silly. Just start thinking about it. How am I treating others, okay? So here are some examples, right, just for this group. Gossip. Sounds silly, right? We're a, a group of young adults, we're a group of adults where you'd think we don't need to talk about this, but gossip, gossip hurts. I, I don't know about you, you probably don't like being gossiped about. And so just think, hey, I don't like being gossiped about. Maybe I shouldn't gossip about other people. Right? Like, you know, instead of gossip, speak kindly. Be someone where the words that come out of your mouth are ones of kindness and generosity towards people. Another one, don't exclude people. Right? This, any time you get a group together, it's really easy to fall into the trap of cliques, and this is my group, and man, but you don't know, Joey, our core group, like, we are tight, all right? And me and my girls, like, we have this thing, and no, like, don't exclude people. And it's okay to, like, do your thing sometimes, and, but, but be inclusive. Like, as a community, be inclusive. If you're going to go do something, man, invite that person that sits alone, if you see someone sitting alone, go say, hey, come join us. Hey, you going to go have dinner with Dave tonight? Come join us. Be inclusive. Be inclusive. Another one, don't make assumptions. I am horrible at this one, all right? I saw, man, I saw Cameron with that big bushy beard. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but I, we, we make assumptions, and I, I do that all the time. There, there was one recently, a uh, coworker. Did I do it again? Sorry. We're good? Okay. Um, coworker, I just started making some assumptions about them and uh, didn't, didn't like them very much. And uh, yeah, just full on assumptions, judgment, until I sat down and heard their story. I heard their story and I heard just, I got to know them a little bit and I was like, wow, I am a jerk. <laughs> you know what I mean? One of those moments. Don't assume. Let's, let's not be a people that just see each other from across the way or we hear something about them and we just assume or we make judgments. Let's get to know each other. Get to know their story. That's why I love story night, 
right? Someone just comes and who's going to share their story next? Weston, you in? Talk to Jenny. <laughs> so don't make assumptions. Don't judge. Get to know them. Get to know their story. Here's another one. Sarcasm. We use sarcasm a lot of times, but a lot of times it's at the expense of other people. Right? And we, what? Yeah. <laughs> we use sarcasm to make ourselves feel better and just don't do it. Uh, I think people that are funny are the ones that are witty and don't have to make fun of anyone. Yeah, show me that type of humor. Um, yeah. Nobody likes to be the, the center of, of someone's joking. Um, also, be careful with your words. Be careful with your words. Just, I think, as a, as a group, it's really easy uh, to, to just, like, let things fly, whether it's trying to be funny or just to make a point, you know, like, that's just, that's who I am. I'm just going to make a point. Just be careful. <laughs> like, guard people's hearts and minds in this group, right? The lens of Christ, man, they are valuable in the kingdom of God. Be careful with our words. Yeah, you know, we, we say things like, you know, no offense, but uh, your face is weird, you know. Have you ever, no offense, we use that to like, it's okay if I'm about to say this. Hey, no offense. Okay, none taken. Anyway, um, hey, another one. A lot of singles in here. Hey, in relationships, as you start hanging out with, with someone of the opposite sex, uh, be clear. Be intentional. Um, you know, don't lead someone on. That sucks. I've, I've been there, and I've done that, and it's, not, it's, it's just not good. You know, guard each other's hearts. Guard each other's hearts. Another one that's big, don't be flaky. I think uh, a lot of us, we, uh, myself included, it's really easy to say, hey, let's go hang out, or let's do this, or I'll be there, or yeah, and then we flake out. How, like, if, if I think, man, I, if I show up, if I am a reliable person, that blesses someone else. I would want someone to be reliable to me. Therefore, I'm going to be reliable to them. Are you guys with me? These are just a few examples. As the band comes up, I know it's early. As the band comes up, um, we're going to have some prayer partners on either side. Um, and I, I just want to remind us that in the way, so, so Jesus, there's, there's times uh, in, in the, the Gospels where he says, the things you do to me, and the th or the things that you do to the least of these, you do to me. So there's something about Jesus that says, the way you treat people actually is a reflection of treating me as well. And so when we, when we put value on other people, I think in a way it's like we're, we're participating in this, like you're just like worth 30 pieces of silver. You're, you're just worth a certain amount of money. You're, you're just, you're kind of subhuman. You're less than. And I just want to challenge us as a group. Like we, we can transform the city. We really can. But again, it has to start here. And it has to be in the way we treat one another. And it has to do with the way we love people that are different than us. Are you with me? So as we go, we got prayer partners. As we sing, just, just confess to the Lord. Here, these are areas of my life where I'm struggling I just want to hand it over to you. Maybe there's a person in your life that you've been treating as less than. Maybe there's a person in your life, again, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a, a parent, a sibling, and you just need to say, you know what, Lord, may I see them through your lens. 
and not my own. May I place value on them for what they're really worth and not what I think they just deserve. Let me pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you that uh, there's power in your words. And even in just one sentence that when you spoke, God, just to treat people the way that we would want to be treated and that everything hangs on this, that, that this sums up your teaching. Lord, God, I just ask that we would take this seriously. Lord, we recognize that you are a God who says, I've come to give rest for your souls. And so, Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would empower us, that you would encourage us that, to know that rest comes when we treat people with kindness and with respect and with love. God, would you bring to mind right now uh, someone for each one of us right now? Maybe someone that we struggle with. Someone that we don't like, someone that can't offer us anything, someone that is different than us, someone that we don't agree with politically or faith-wise. I don't know. God, would you bring someone to mind? Lord, I just pray that right now as a community, we would uh, just lay that person at your feet. And that you would just renew in our hearts a new, fresh love for them. And may we see them the way you see them. God, if there's someone here who feels like they're not valuable, maybe they've been the one that's been treated poorly over and over. God, would you remind them tonight, right now, just in the name of Jesus, by the power of your blood and your resurrection, that you, that they... They are worth so much. That they are your sons and daughters. That you view them as beautiful. That in your kingdom they are valuable. And so if that's you right now, I just ask, I just pray and encourage you just to receive that you're loved. Lord, it's hard to give if we don't have it ourselves. And so, God, I pray for every single one of us that first we would know our value so that we can extend value to others. Jesus, as we worship your name now, we just lift you up. Oh, Holy One. Amen.